0: Hey y'all, welcome to episode three of Feed the Bean. I'm Andrew, your host, your daddy day cuisine, and father of the bean. This is a podcast in which I make gourmet ish foods for my picky eating toddler. This turned out to be a challenging episode to record, primarily due to procrastination. I cooked the meal a while ago, and as anyone who procrastinates knows, the longer you put off a seemingly simple task, The larger, more daunting, and more impossible, it grows in your mind uh, to the point where it almost seems like you can't do it at all. And the only way to overcome that is to actually sit down, force yourself to do it, and realize that it's not actually quite so daunting. But also, as any procrastinator knows, you don't admit to procrastinating. Life just seemed to keep on getting in the way. I can't do it when everyone's asleep because the baby sleeps in the next room and me shouting into a microphone is going to keep her up. I can't do it during the beans naps because we have other stuff that needs to get done or my wife needs to do something and I need to watch the baby. So as any procrastinator will say, it's not my fault. It's the world around me. Before we hop into the meat of this episode, so to speak, I want to share with you one of those quintessential TV sitcom, joy of parenting moments that we all have from time to time that feel almost surreal when they're happening, and you can't help but laugh in the moment. I was home alone with the two girls, the baby and the bean. I had the baby strapped to my chest in one of those uh, baby Bjorns, a marvel of Scandinavian engineering and ingenuity. When, as they say on Cocoa Melon, I got one of those funny feelings way down low and it quickly turned into an emergent situation. I convinced the Bean to join me in the bathroom, which has these really cool LED strip lights underneath the sink so that when you turn on the lights to the bathroom, the sink also lights up. And ever since... Christmas or just before Christmas, when people put up their lights, the bean has been obsessed with pretty lights everywhere we go. She'll even point at overhead parking lights and say, Ooh, pretty lights. Ooh, pretty lights. So she is obsessed with these lights under the sink. So the entire time I'm trying to do my business, she wants to turn on and off the lights. The problem is the light switch is high enough for her to hit the down button on it, the off button, but she can't reach the on button. So she's jumping up and down next to me while I'm sitting on the toilet with the baby, the two-month-old strapped to my chest, demanding that I pick her up so she can turn on and off the light switch. So I'm holding her up while I'm physically pushing and straining and sweating and laughing just giggling to myself because I can't believe how ridiculous the situation is as the continual plops of entry occur into the toilet and I am overwhelmed with love for my family and the disbelief that this is what my life has come to. I'm pooping with an audience of two, one of which is actively trying to interrupt the show, in fact, doesn't even care that the show is happening. So those of you with only one child or those of you with none, you have some exciting interactions to look forward to with your children, especially once they become toddlers. I'm sure a lot of you listening can relate to this and have your own similar stories. If you want to send them to me on Instagram at FeedTheBeanPodcast or on Twitter at FeedTheBean I'd love to share them. We can uh, redact your name if you want to retain your pooping privacy. Uh, However, when I started recording this show, I decided to be radically candorish. Candory. I decided to use radical candor, I guess. So I've sacrificed all aspects of privacy in order to bring you this podcast, including my pooping, it turns out. so. I hope you enjoyed it, and if not, maybe I'll put in a warning and you can fast forward. No, I'd rather you have to listen to this. You should have to listen to this story. So, there we are. Last week, we had an impressive victory with the duck dish that I cribbed from Nautilus. Thank you, Nautilus. Uh, If you want to try that meal cooked by... Liam, the chef at Nautilus, go try Nautilus in either Boston or Nantucket. If you didn't hear that episode and you want to hear the incredible success that we had, go back and listen to it. It was episode two. This week, we decided to go with a different protein, something we hadn't used before. It's not one of my favorites. It can be really flavorful, but I don't particularly love it. Uh, I made rack of lamb. Sous vide, of course, Uh, lamb is a very lean meat, which means that if you decide to roast it, if you go just a minute too long, it can become very dry and tough. It is a meat that was basically made for the sous vide, where it will get perfectly cooked through at just the right temperature every time. For sides, I made roasted potatoes using a new method that I'll go into detail on, but Rest assured, it is the only way that I am cooking potatoes from here on out. They were the best roasted potatoes I've ever made. And finally, a Brussels sort of slaw. It was sauteed Brussels with a vinaigrette dressing and toasted hazelnuts uh, dressed with parmesan on top. I guess garnished with parmesan on top. Those were okay. Uh, Not the star of the meal by any means, but... They took up space. Beyond the bean, myself, and my wife eating this meal, we also had a couple of other diners with us. This is where one of my pro tips comes into play. Know who you're cooking for. Uh, one of the people loves their meat cooked, let's say, sinfully through. Uh, they have their burgers turned into I wouldn't even call them hockey pucks because I think a hockey puck, if you were to put it on a sawzall, you could saw through. You can't get through the way they like their burgers or their steak for that matter. Everything needs to be cooked all the way through. I elected to cook the lamb to medium rare. I liked the way it looked, I liked the texture. I know my wife doesn't like super rare meat, so I thought medium rare would be a good compromise. Now, the person that loves to have their meat absolutely murdered, uh, I knew going in probably wouldn't be a big fan of the color because even at medium rare, lamb comes out very dark. It looks, if it were beef, it would look totally uncooked. It would look raw, but that's just the color of lamb when you cook it to medium rare. Uh, I knew that she probably wouldn't enjoy the look of it or the taste, but I had my heart set on making a rack of lamb for the show, for the bean, for my wife, and for myself. If she didn't like it, there were plenty of sides that came out great. So there was that. I know in the past I've warned you against using Ziploc bags when you're sous videing, but because the rack of lamb has those protruding rib bones, I didn't feel... Comfortable putting it in a vacuum sealed bag and running it through the vacuum sealer because I was worried that those bones would puncture through the bag, soak the meat, and ruin the dish. So this time I actually used a gallon Ziploc bag and used the water displacement method where you put the meat in the bag, slowly lower it into the water, close the entire top aside from roughly one inch in one of the corners, and Keep on dropping it until just that little bit is above the water and then close it off. And you get a surprisingly thorough vacuum seal through that method. But before I vacuum sealed it, before I did the water displacement method, I had to season the meat. So what I did for this was I made actually a wet rub uh, that it would cook in in the bag. It was just some salt, some pepper about 20 to 50 garlic cloves, some honey, some thyme, some uh, champagne vinegar, which I didn't even know was a thing until I found it in the pantry, and some Dijon mustard. You mix it all together, thoroughly coat the meat, and then you vacuum seal it, and you drop it in to your water bath, which I had set at 130 degrees, again, for uh, medium-rare lamb. The next step was prepping the potatoes while the lamb was in the sous vide bath. And this is where things got kind of off the rails. Well, technically, things got a little off the rails all the way back at the store once again. This is a recurring theme for me. And I think I might need to get a stinger to make this into a segment Andrew's Supermarket Woes. But I was looking for uh, russet potatoes. And I ended up getting baby reds, which are starchier, they don't crisp up as much, and they don't brown as much as russets. Uh, But with the baby reds, I found a workaround that actually yielded my favorite potatoes ever. But while we're on the topic of supermarkets or grocery stores, I do want to say I found the most amazing store ever. And this isn't sponsored. I don't have... Advertisers, I don't have anyone giving me any money. This is a money losing endeavor. I'm hemorrhaging cash making this episode, making this show. It's Doris's, Doris's Italian Market. It is incredible. You walk inside and it has you know a great selection of produce, but their butcher counter is awesome. Some of the nicest looking cuts of meat I've ever seen. I wanted American rack of Lamb, which is fattier, but they only had Australian, which turned out to be for the best. When I was looking for American, I didn't take into account that the sous vide doesn't get hot enough to actually render out fat. So for this, the leaner cut of meat was actually the right choice. So happy accident, I did the right thing. Not intentionally, of course. Backed my way into success, as always. But walking through Doris's, They not only had all this great food, this great butcher counter, they had amazing prepared foods, and I was so tempted to get their marinated artichoke hearts. They also had a gelato and espresso shop right there inside the market. So of course, I treated myself to a double espresso and vibrated the car all the way home. I don't even think I used any gas. I think it was just going off my own tremoring inertia as i traveled down the highway i want to move to florida solely so i can shop at doris's all the time now the potatoes i had to take uh 4 pounds of potatoes baby potatoes so they're roughly you know in diameter uh like a dollar coin and individually skin each and every one which took a long time uh so thank you to my wife for watching the bean and the babe While I sat over the sink, listened to one of my favorite podcasts, which I'm not going to tell you about because they're not paying me to. Only Doris gets free plugs in here. I love you, Doris. And skin, uh, about 50 potatoes. I felt like I was getting punished at boot camp. Then I parboiled the potatoes. So I added a little something to the boil. Uh, and this is the trick that I'm going to take with me for the rest of my life. After this meal, you fill up a big pot of water and you pour in some salt and then baking powder. And what this does is it makes the water alkaline. And so it breaks down the potatoes and kind of turns the outer part into a slurry. And as you boil the potatoes, the starch seeps out, makes them a little Softer on the interior. After you boil them, you take them out, you let them dry. You uh, let the water evaporate out. You put them in a bowl and you toss in some oil and some salt, some pepper, and you toss them in the bowl. So the potatoes are beating up on one another. And what that does is it turns the outside of the potatoes into this sort of mashed potato texture, which when you roast them gets really crispy. And it allows for sort of an even crispier than home fries sort of texture to them. And then you roast them for about 20 to 30 minutes without touching them. You pull them out and you flip them all over, uh, rotate the pan around, put it back in for another 20 minutes until they're that perfect golden, crispy potato color. Pull them out, they're ready to go. And while I was doing this, I had meant to also make some. Honey mustard glazed carrots, um, but I totally forgot about them. And in a panic, as the rest of the food was coming out, I found a package of pre-made Brussels slaw thing. Um, It was fine. I'm not going to endorse them or tell you how I cooked them. It was a place filler on the table because I was embarrassed and ashamed to have only made two out of the three things that I had intended to do. Scatterbrains, once again. Scatterbrains went out. Now, when the lamb was done, you take it out of the bag. You pat it dry. And it's very important when you take something out of the sous vide to make sure that it is totally dry if you want to put a sear on it. And the reason for that is when you put it on a smoking hot skillet, you want the heat, the energy transference from the pan to the meat to actually go onto the outer layer of the meat. If you have water or liquid on the outside of the meat, The first place that energy goes is into evaporating that off. And what it will do is it'll slowly raise the interior temperature of the meat without putting a sear on it. So if you sous vide to get to medium rare, and then you put it onto the pan with liquid still on the outside, you'll actually cook it to medium before you get that sear on it. So you got to thoroughly pat it dry. And I uh, seared it in butter and I basted it while it seared. I wish I had put a harder sear on it. It didn't have a thick enough crust, um, which can be one of the shortcomings of using a sous vide. You don't get a sear like you would if you were to pan sear it first and then put it in the oven or sear it on a grill and then finish it in the oven. Uh, It's one of the trade-offs to having perfectly cooked meat is that your sear might not be as robust. So I wish I had done it a little bit longer and I was basting it as I went to keep it moist, to keep it flavorful. And it did add a little bit of flavor. And actually while I did it, the the butter uh, browned. Uh, one of my favorite dishes is brown butter lobster, which now that I think about it, might be a perfect meal to make the bean at some point. But I accidentally browned the butter. And so it had that really uh nougaty, scent to it and that rich flavor that browned butter gets, which was nice. So one of the other nice things about sous your meat is that you're left with all the cooked off juices in a bag. So my goal was to use the leftover lamb juices to make a roux to pour on top of the lamb. Unfortunately, it didn't cook out as much juice as I was hoping for. I supplemented it with one quarter cup of chicken broth, uh, bone broth, but that wasn't enough. It ended up cooking down to sort of a lamb flavored paste and was barely able to even drizzle any of it onto the meat. And it wasn't that noticeable. Uh, so if I was going back and doing it again, I would make sure I had a harder sear on the rack of lamb and I would make sure that I used more chicken bone broth to supplement or augment the leftover lamb juices. It was a good thought, but poorly executed in this case. Now that we've covered the process, let's head to the dinner table to take a look at the results. Okay, here, take this potato and lick it. I want pink. You want the pink food? Yeah. Okay, try the pink food. Mm -hmm. Do you like it? Mm Pink. You like the pink food? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, you can bite it if you want. Yeah. Okay. Just lick. All okay. Done. All done. You didn't need anything, beanie. Oh <laughs> done. All done. Sid these potatoes are like french fries. Yeah, they like they taste like french fries. Yeah. Do you want to lick that too? Can I show you? Lick. Yeah. Should I lick it? Um. All done. All done. Okay. You're all done. You're all done. Ouch. Couldn't even get her to the table. The bean had no interest in joining us for dinner. I don't know if it was the look of the food, her temperament at that point. She was really, really tired. She had been swimming for three hours before her nap and three and a half hours after her nap. And it takes it out of her. She was wiped. It might've been that it might've been the expectant look on my face, desperately pleading for her to sit down and join us and please just try one bite. But couldn't even get her to the table. Makes it hard to give a bean taste test review. Can't have any yucks. If you didn't have a taste similarly, can't have any yums. If you don't try a bite now for me, And the consensus at the table, aside from the individual who didn't appreciate that I didn't blacken the lamb all the way through, which, you know what, if that's how you take your meat, I don't really want your opinion anyways, to be honest. So the consensus was, it was super flavorful. It was tasty, but entirely unremarkable. We also felt that the lamb was surprisingly chewy which isn't typically the texture you get when you sous vide. I sous vide it for two hours. Maybe I could have gone for longer to break down more of the proteins. I'm not sure because, you know, it was an hour to two and a half hour cook is normally what you do for a rack of lamb. So maybe it was just the cut, but I couldn't get the texture I was looking for. The flavor was great. One of the best parts about cooking sous vide is that when you put in the aromatics and your rubs, it actually cooks into the meat more than if you were to just rub it on the outside, throw it on a pan, throw it in the oven. It really lets it soak in to those muscle fibers. Uh, But the clear star of the show, again, were those potatoes. Best potatoes I've ever made, hands down. And that's including the sliced potatoes that I do on our oven stuffer chicken that is our wintertime every Friday meal. So would I make rag of lamb again? Maybe in a while when the memory from this relative failure fades and is not quite so painful when this wound has scabbed over. Will I make the potatoes again? Certainly. In fact, I plan to do so tonight. So that does it for this week's episode of Feed the Bean. Next week, I'm very excited. I plan on leaning into the bean's love of grilled cheese and turning my kitchen into a Parisian cafe that might feed her just what she's looking for. So make sure you tune in to episode four for that. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review The Bean and myself on Apple Podcasts. We don't pay for any advertising here on Feed the Bean and rely solely on word of mouth. So please tell your friends and have them take a listen. If you get a listening party together with you and three friends, let me know and I'll record a personal intro just for you. All I ask in return is a picture from your listening party that I can share on social media. Speaking of social media, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Feed the Bean, all one word, to stay up to date on everything happening with the bean and myself. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at FeedTheBeamPodcast to see pictures of our gourmet delectables. Thank you for listening, and until next time, I'm your Chef Daddy.